The morning after, the doctors had discovered a 10-centimeter tumor on, to call my late husband's liver. Mm. It's about the size of a softball. Gosh. <laughs> Um, I went down to the beach and my kids played in the sand and I stood in the water and looked across the ocean and just kind of tried to um, wrestle with the reality of what was happening. And um, it came to my mind as I was um, thinking just that usually in suffering and in difficult times, the question that we want to ask is why? Like, why did this happen to me? Um, why did this happen to someone that I love? Why is God letting this happen? And I realized in that moment that that was not the question that I needed to ask. And so I prayed and said, Lord, I don't need to know why this is happening, but I need to know that you're here, that you are in this. Because I thought I can accept from the sovereign hand of uh, all-knowing, all-powerful, good, and loving God, what I could never accept from just mm. the chaos and the suffering of a fallen world. Mm. And in the difficult months that would follow, the Lord sent his people, his brothers and sisters from several different churches and around the world that came alongside of us and um, provided for us and made us food and prayed for us and cleaned our house and showered our kids with gifts mm -hmm. and, you know, watched our children like they were their own. And for me, that was the answer to the prayer I had prayed on the beach. And it was... Um, it was the hands and feet of God, his people um, offering kindness and grace and mercy from the hand of a loving God, even when the prayers that we were desperately praying for the call to be healed um, were answered with a no. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Welcome to The Testament, a podcast that spotlights the amazing real-life stories of everyday people who've been transformed by their surrender to Jesus Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of one of the many miraculous before and after accounts of lives forever changed by encountering the Savior. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Testament. My name is Jess Kirchmeyer. And I am Jeff Keg, and we're here today with Faith Kiv. How are you, Faith? I'm doing well. Thank tell us, you. Tell us about yourself. Well, um, I have five children. Um, 16 is the oldest and seven is the youngest. Mm. And um, I'm currently a music leader at our church, um, kind of a small church, mm -hmm. um, about 85, 90 of a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And um, I homeschool my children. Um, I'm a widow. <laughs> And um, I am a believer in Christ. <laughs> yeah, I'd say 85, 90 is not that small of a church. Yeah, when I, when I've I seen hear smaller. Small, yeah, when I hear small <laughs> church, I'm thinking 20, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Not, not as big as the lake. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So this podcast is all about sharing um, our testimonies in Jesus. So if you would give us an opportunity to kind of know um, how you came about knowing who Jesus was in your life and how you came about accepting him into your heart as well. Okay, so I came to know the Lord at a very early age, and I think what um, 
what drew me to Christ and to accept him was just hearing in Sunday school and in church about um, who he was, mm. that, you know, that he was a loving God, that he had died for us. And I was rather captivated by the idea of heaven and the beauty of it and what he had prepared for us. And so one morning at breakfast, I asked my mom, um, you know, how can I go there? I want to go to heaven. How can I get there? (laughs) And so she explained to me, um, I was three, almost four, um, Mm -hmm. you know, about asking Jesus to come into my heart and um, probably didn't have a lot of understanding of what that meant at the time. But I knew that I wanted Christ and that I wanted to be with him in heaven. And so I went to my room and I lay down on my bed and I prayed and asked him to come into my heart. And Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that accept Christ at a very young age, you know, maybe have a lot of doubts about that. And that really wasn't the case with me. Mm, That's awesome. I, you know, I remember that experience and I, I guess I never looked back. Like he has been a faithful father to me. Um, My parents divorced when I was in third grade or my father left when I was in third grade and we went through a really messy divorce Mm. and um, really, I like didn't see my father until I was about 35. So, mm. um, you know, God really was a father to me in those years. And, um, you know, I remember thinking in college, you know, if I turned away from Christ, I would do it knowing that he's real mm. because I've known him in my life. Yeah. You know? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was um, so that was early on in your life. Now moving forward, were you in public school or private school or? Yeah, so I was in public school. Okay, no, I should go back. <laughs> I was in private school for kindergarten and first grade, and then public school for half of second grade, homeschool for the other half of second grade, and then back to public school, <laughs> and then I was homeschooled all through high school. Okay. Um. Yeah, but it was really, um, I guess, ninth grade. You know, I I didn't doubt my salvation and I wanted to follow Christ. But in ninth grade, we had revival services at our Mm -hmm. church. And um, that was a time that I really, I guess, dedicated my life to Christ. You know, I looked back at my life and various sins that I had committed. And I asked the Lord forgiveness for all of those. And I went to people, you know, like... (laughs) They thought I was crazy, but I went to people and said, I'm sorry for this thing that I said to you or this thing that I did yeah. or and um, really decided that I wanted, you know, Christ to be Lord of my life and I wanted my life to be surrendered to him. And then when um, I was, I guess, maybe 16 or 17, I was reading a book about Mary Slessor, um, the missionary to Africa. And um, I was, I just thought, like, I want to do something in my life where everything that I do is about serving Christ. Mm -hmm. It's not, I go to work and then, you know, I serve a little at church, you know, on the weekend or whatever it is. Like, I want everything I'm doing to be in service to Christ. And I guess um, in that moment, praying to the Lord about that. I just felt as though I could feel God's pleasure mm-hmm. <laughs> with that. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that kind of was the start of leading to um, the Lord calling me into missions and that desire to um, 
you know, to go to other places where people had not heard about Christ and to tell them about Christ. Yeah. So tell us more about the mission work um, that you and your husband were involved in. And then I know that's going to lead into what God's done in your life through losing your husband as well. So just tell us that whole story. Okay. So um, I guess like when we were dating and, you know, trying to make that decision of this, is this the person that the Lord would want me to marry? I think missions was really at the forefront of that because his heart was for that as well. And to tell others of Christ and um, to call my late husband. I really have never known someone just quite so passionate about evangelism, you know, just um, really with this excitement and desire to tell everybody about Christ. And he himself came from a non-believing family Mm. initially and um, just wonderfully by the grace of God, his parents are believers now. Mm. But um, when he was young, his uncle um, gave his family a Bible and it sat on the shelf for many years. And he had some friends that maybe would invite him to VBS, Vacation Bible School, or to church. And so he had heard a little about Christ and you know what Christ had done for us. And so then one day in junior high, he went to his parents' bookshelf and he was bored and, you know, he was kind of in that stage of feeling like, you know, everyone was wearing all the cool clothes and he wasn't and, you know, just that type of thing. And he picked up the Bible and first he turned to Genesis and then, you know, just decided to flip over to Matthew and he read about, you know, do not worry about tomorrow and what you will wear and put on and um, and how God clothes the flowers of the field. And um, he it just struck him how the Bible was for him and how it spoke to him. And so um, remembering what he had heard in church, he knelt by his bed and, and gave his life to Christ. And mm. um, for a couple of years, he just read his Bible at home. And, um, and then in reading through some of Paul's letters, he read about, you know, do not forsake assembling yourselves together. And so he decided to find a church. So he looked around at his classmates at high school. He went to Lamar High School. And he thought, okay, who looks like they're following Christ? <laughs> and so he went that's up to so wise. Yeah. So he went up to that friend and he said, I want to go to your church. Yeah. And so that's the church where we met. And um, after we were married, we went to um, Southwestern Seminary and he got his MDiv. And um, that's where um, my first two children were born. Mm-hmm. And then we, um, we went to Southeast Asia. And um, over the course of our time there, um, planted, I think, about three or four churches just by, um, um, in one way, he took this group of believers a team that he put together and it was some wonderful older ladies that love the Lord and a young woman, a young man. And the older ladies would cook food with all the ladies in the village that they would go to. And the young woman would teach the kids and he and this other young man would teach the Bible. And, um, you know, through that, some churches were planted Mm -hmm. and um, um, some believers were baptized and, um, you know, just opportunities as well to, um, I guess, invest in the lives of people in the church. 
there was um, one uh, man in one of the villages who was a believer whose daughter really wanted to go into ministry. And so he organized with um, just a different ministry that had a Bible college to be able to um, open up their doors to her and allow her to come on scholarship and mm. and study in the capital city um, so she could go out and do ministry. Okay, I have two questions. Okay. How... How many children did you have when y'all moved? Um, our oldest daughter was almost two. She okay. turned two a couple of weeks after we got there. And then our second daughter was um, six months. Okay. Really. So then you had other children while you were there. Yeah. So um, our third child, <laughs> our yeah. son, was born um, in a neighboring country um, while we were there on the field. Yeah. And then, so how did that conversation start? of y'all, I mean, I knew you both were mission desiring, mission oriented, but like, which, like, did that conversation, was it just like one of you said it over dinner and yeah, let's go? Or was it, was it hard to decide to, to um, pick up and move your whole family? It, it wasn't. I mean, it, yeah. I had wanted to do that for a very long time. Um, but there was, uh, there were decisions to be made. Yeah. Um, he had been interested initially like even before we were married, of um, doing medical school and doing medical missions instead. And so we had decided to go to seminary and to get that training. Um, but then there was that decision of, you know, do we go to the field now or do we get further training before we go? Yeah. And, you know, of course, as we look back, I'm very thankful that we decided to go when we did. Absolutely. You know, because we had that that three years on the field. Okay. Um, which, you know, um, was very meaningful to us and had, you know, gave us that opportunity to, I guess, serve the Lord in that way. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a very impactful three years. So then, yeah. so then y'all came back to the States? Um, yes. So then, so then one <laughs> night while we were in Southeast Asia, um, Sakal just woke up in the middle of the night and he would sometimes talk in his sleep. So I wasn't quite sure if he was talking in his sleep or if he was actually telling me something, but he just sat up and he said, I want to go to medical school. Hmm. And then he went back to sleep. <laughs> and then sure enough in the morning, um, you know, that was, um, that was the case that he was, he wanted to go back and to go to medical school and then to return in order to do medical missions. So at the end of our term in Southeast Asia, we um, returned to Texas and he had applied to um, a couple of medical schools, but it looked like he needed to do a little extra schooling. So he did his master's in a program that's um, basically the first year of medical school. And then he applied again, and he applied to a school in Israel, mm. which is focused on um, global health in the developing world. And so um, we spent three years in Israel um, while he went to medical school. And um, then at the end of his third year, they were required <laughs> to do rotations in hospitals in the U.S. in order to get their medical degree. So um, we left Israel and all of us were traveling together. We had five kids by this time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and how old's the youngest? The youngest. Um, we left. Let's see. She was born in February, left in June. So okay, yeah, yeah, fun traveling. <laughs> yeah. So, and um, then the oldest was nine. Yeah. So we went to um, New York City, and we went to Baltimore, and we went to wow. Jacksonville, Florida, 
And um, I just wonder how many people walked past you going, no way. Yeah. Five kids, <laughs> nine years old is the oldest. And they're all just tagging along, yeah. strapped along, whatever. Yeah. Actually, when Because we that's what I would do if I saw you. I'd be like, uh-uh, no way. Yeah. Actually, when we were in New York City, like, people say that New Yorkers are, like, cold and they don't talk to you. But we were, like, constantly stopped. Like, how do you afford all those kids? Where do you live? Are those really all yours? We yeah. were, I mean, when I adopted my son from Uganda, it was a 24-hour trip back and he was four. And I'm that's just one kid. I was like, yeah. oh, no, 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 no. Yeah traveling would be wow i'm sorry go on <laughs> yeah that's okay so um you know and while we were traveling to these places like we had a lot of fun like mm -hmm. we went to central park every day while mm -hmm. sakal was you know over at the hospital you know working and um we had i have family in washington dc so when we were in baltimore we went and stayed at the new house they had bought with like nice. air mattresses and you know got to see relatives and you know go to the library and see yeah. some of the sites of dc and and then in jacksonville beach we rented a um, condo that was right on the beach and so i remember thinking um like partway through our stay in jacksonville beach like wow if this was like the end of my life or something <laughs> mm. i um like it just couldn't have been a better, you know, time yeah. to, you know, spend with our family and stuff. And, you know, um, I think it's one of the mercies of God that we don't know what is next for us in our lives because all of that traveling, you know, it was it was a joyous time and it was a special time with our family. And I don't think that we would have been able to enjoy that if we had realized, you know, what was ahead and what yeah. was about to happen. And so the Lord blessed us with that time, even though, um, you know, there were harder things that were coming. Right. And um, so at the end of his, um, his rotation in the hospital in Jacksonville, we, um, we just went out for dinner one night and Sakal said that he wasn't feeling well. And so we went home and I put the kids to bed and he started to have some pretty intense pain on his right side. And so I um, woke the kids up, <laughs> piled them all in the car and took them to the hospital. And they discovered, you know, a 10 centimeter tumor on his liver, the mm -hmm. size of a softball. And so... Um, he was advised, you know, go where you have support, go where you have family and friends. And so we drove from Jacksonville to um, to Texas and Sakal flew with a friend that had done the same rotation with him. And um, we, um, you know, we arrived in Texas and... Um, Initially, they thought that they would be able to remove the tumor. And so um, the surgeon went in and opened him up, and it was supposed to be like a five or six hour surgery, very long. And after like an hour and a half, two hours, um, the surgeon came out mm -hmm. and um, he had opened him up and he saw just how much it had progressed just in the time from when we were in Florida to when we were in Texas. And um, so he said, you know, we can't remove it. He gave him about two to five years to live. 
And um, instead of trying to remove it, he decided to put like radioactive beads into his liver mm-hmm. to try to shrink the tumor. But um, just regardless of the various things that they tried to um, stop the growth of the cancer, cancer, it just progressed really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so um, just a couple months in, it went into a spinal column and he became paralyzed. Gosh. And then just four and a half months later, um, he passed away. So a diagnosis to um, when he passed away was just four and a half months. So everything happened mm. very quickly. Um, but I guess the thing with um, that time for me that I really um, like to tell people, I guess, is just that, you know, we look at our lives and I think it's easy for us as believers to expect that God only gives us good things. And I think that um, we're just mistaken. We just have a false expectation, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and as I look back at Sakal's life, um, the Lord wrote a very beautiful story of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, his family, you know, they were, they lived in Cambodia and um his grandparents on one side, they were killed in the Khmer Rouge mm. events, you know, the genocide mm-hmm. and everything. And um, on the other side, um, his grandfather was and the whole family on that side were able to leave because his grandfather worked for the American embassy. And we, you know, we got most of them out. But it was through that coming to America that Sakal had the opportunity to hear of Christ. Mm-hmm. And you know, he had the opportunity to, um, you know, testify to his family of Christ. And we just went to a wedding of one of his cousins. And there are, you know, six cousins that we took to church every week. And they know the Lord. And they're, you know, they're following him. And, um, you know, just to see God's hand in using him and using him in Cambodia and you know, even in um, sickness and in, you know, nearing death, you know, he was faithful to the end and followed Christ. And, um, you know, we'd like to have a story of our lives that's just, you know, we had good friends and we ate good food mm-hmm. <laughs> and we did fun things and then we died. But the reality is that we are here for a short time. And while we are here, we want to glorify the Lord and his life did that. And, um even in the midst of, you know, the struggles of his sickness, um, the Lord was there and he was with us. And, you know, the day he passed away, which happened to be Valentine's Day, Mm -hmm. um, it was also a Sunday. And, you know, so I left the hospice facility where he had passed away and and went to church and it was already almost over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But a lot of people at that church questioned God, I think, as they looked at Sakal's life and how he had, you know, been a missionary and how could God let that happen to him and that wasn't fair. And um, I think I have in my life never better known that God was good than in those really difficult times Hmm. Um, because it's easy for us in easy times to think that it's us or to think that, you know, or maybe even not think of it at all, but when things are really hard and you know the closeness of God, you know that he is good. And so um, I asked the pastor to, um, if I could say something. And so, you know, that's what I said that day is, you know, this is hard, 
never known anything harder, Mm -hmm. but I've also never known, you know, so clearly that the Lord is good. And, um, you know, I think we all have, um, you know, we all have different responses to the difficult things that happen in our lives. And um, I think I would just say to people that go through a difficult time, you know, um, what we feel is what we feel in our humanity. Um, But, you know, as much as people say like, oh, if you, you know, if you shake your your fist at God, if you're angry at God, he can handle it. You know, I realized when I was going through that, that he can handle it, but I can't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, because if I put God on the other side and I separate myself from him, like, I can't go on, you know, I can't um, make it through without him. And so I would just say that, um, you know, in any difficulty, in any suffering, in any struggle, um, hold on to God as hard as you can. (laughs) And then when you can't hold on, Mm. it's okay because he still holds on to you, Mm. you know, and, um, you know, I think it's, um, there's a lot of people that said through the experience, oh, you're so strong, <laughs> you know, and that's not that's not the case. You know, we listen to um, Jesus loves me and it says I am weak and you are strong. Yeah. That is all of us. Mm-hmm. We are we can all so easily be pushed beyond, you know, the ability to trust Christ beyond the ability to do what's right. It's not a difficult thing for things to come in, you know, for someone to come up with something in our life that would push us you know, over the edge. But the reality is that if God hadn't sought me when I didn't know him, and if he hadn't given me those chances to hear of him, and if he hadn't worked in my heart, like I wouldn't even know him. It was him from the start, you know? And if he didn't provide the things that I needed in those dark times, I couldn't have stood if he wasn't there. And, you know, so the one that we rely on is him. And whether, you know, if someone's the person that, you know, can go on and say, you know, I trust God in suffering, or whether it's the person that is angry with the Lord, or whether it's the person that can't get out of bed in the morning, God is still faithful to us. And, um, you know, it wasn't us to begin with, and it, it's never us. <laughs> and he will yeah. be faithful even when we are not. Yeah, what a great word. Um so now you have five kids in tow. Mm. Um, what do you feel the future holds for you? Do you feel mission work is still a part of what God wants you to do right now or or coming up maybe? Or what do you think? Well, um, my heart is definitely still for missions. Yeah. And um, I'm blessed to have so many friends that are, you know, on, on the field mm-hmm. that the Lord is really using in amazing ways. And, you know, frequently, <laughs> I, I think there are longings to be doing that. Um, but right now, the Lord has led us to the church that I'm serving at and yeah. this opportunity to lead music. And um, and I'm thankful for that mm-hmm. and thankful for um, not just that I'm able to serve there and to pour into the lives of others, but for the ways that that church has poured into us mm-hmm. and has... Um, the way the church loves our children, what they learn from our pastor and from, you know, my friends and from older people in the church that, um, 
yeah, that just have poured into my children's lives. And so I think that's an important place for us right now. Um, I don't know what the Lord, you know, has for my future. Mm-hmm. I would kind of hope that maybe one day I'll go back. Um, I considered it, you know, maybe about a year ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so this is just yeah. a season, right? So yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have different seasons and, you know, that's really something. Um, there's an older lady that um, I've known for quite a long time, very wise woman. And one of um, the times I went out with her when Sakal was sick and she said that, she said, you know, I know that you probably won't understand what I'm saying right now. (laughs) And I know that this is really hard, but um, just remember this later that, you know, we all have different seasons in our lives and the Lord does different things in our lives in those different seasons. And, um, you know, when Sakal was in the hospital and we had found out that his cancer wasn't curable and that he didn't have very long, like I just felt as though God had kind of erased, you know, the whole picture of our future. You know, we, he was going to finish medical school mm. and he was going to do residency and we were going to go back to, you know, Southeast Asia. And it, there was just nothing, you know, mm. like I don't even know, you know, now and I had all these little kids and. You know, just sitting in the hospital and praying about that, um, I was reminded by the Lord that, you know, even though it seemed to me that, you know, Sakal was leading our family to do these things and, you know, that this somehow was involved with him, you know, that really God was leading both of us that whole time and that God would still lead me and God would still use me in the future. And, you know, there was a long period of time, you know, a number of years where that was just my kids again. And it, it was very different, you know, being a mom to my kids and homeschooling them when I wasn't supporting my husband in ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a meaningful thing to know that you're, you know, you're doing the kids and he's doing ministry and you yeah. make that possible. But to only have that, that was a hard time and a time of lessons of realizing that, you know, our relationship with the Lord is not what we do for him. He doesn't really need us <laughs> to do things for him, you know, but it's just being faithful and it's growing in him and it's loving him and being loved by him and serving him in the ways that he's given and being content with that, you know, and I do feel very blessed with this opportunity to lead music because I can still do the things that I need to do as a mom and, Mm. and do this as well. And my older girls are now on the music team and, Mm. you know, that's really a blessing for me as a mom to see them having the opportunity to serve the Lord in that way. So, I love the way you speak of that too, of like how like the nearness of God is like, wherever he leads you, wherever you're at, whether you're following your husband and and serving in all these areas or whether it's here and doing mission work and doing, you know, just ministry and music, like, or whatever the future holds, it doesn't matter because he's, he was there in the past and he's going to be there in the future. Like that, that's super cool. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, like sometimes it can be hard for us to surrender to a particular ministry to go overseas, but sometimes it can be difficult to surrender to not doing those things to realize that for this season god has me in this place (laughs) and not in this other one that maybe seems to us as though it's our ultimate calling or to us as though it's maybe more exciting or or more important because you know really we're just asked to be faithful Mm -hmm. 
to, you know, where the Lord is to the Lord, where he has brought us. And, um, you know, we don't, we don't always get to choose all the parts of our lives mm -hmm. and, yeah. and write it as we would write it, but he writes it better. So. Yes, he does. <laughs> well, I know that you say that people, people say you're strong and you correct them and say, no, we're weak. He is strong. I get that, but you are grounded. Um, and committed to Christ because mm -hmm. there's so many people in that situation, whether they're believers or not, that could have totally turned their back on God at that point and yeah. said, wow, you know, we did all this for you and this is what happens. Um, and, you know, there's, you could have had bitterness the rest of your life, but, you know, kudos because that's not the case. It's I'm grounded and I'm committed to Christ. Therefore, I recognize his glory through the pain, through the hurt. Right. Yes. yes. So that's awesome. Well, and it is through him. And I'm thankful for that because I'm, you know, I'm thankful for the opportunity to still follow him and for my kids to, you know, see that and have the opportunity to follow the Lord. And, you know, I don't like when Sakal passed away, I remember thinking like, I don't so much at this point in my life want to live a long time as I mm. want to live well with the time that I have left. Yeah. You know, I want it to matter that I'm here and he's not. I don't want that to be a meaningless time. And, um, you know, I know the, I don't know, I guess I, I know God's faithfulness and I know the love of Christ and, um, you know, I don't want to walk that other road of, <laughs> you know, of yeah. being away from him. Yeah. and. Um, maybe turning towards things that that don't last, and mm. um, you know. But I'm I'm thankful that when we do, you know, we can turn back yeah. to him and um, trust him again. You That's know, because awesome. he is faithful. So you had mentioned that you. I mean, you're lead music at your church, so mm -hmm. you had mentioned that you had a song that goes kind of along with this story here. Yes, that's true. So. Um, like, we're going to ask you to play that. You know that, right? Yes. We're going to ask you to play that song like yes. right now. <laughs> yes. So I guess just, um, you know, I know it's easy for our response in these situations to be anger or to be angry with God. I know that people do respond that way, but that wasn't really where I was at. And so I, I guess when I was writing this song, I was thinking about um, the people that wanted to be like Job that, you know, wanted to respond in worship, but it's hard to see, you know, when God says, oh, you know, he works everything together for good. It's hard to see how that would be possible. And so that song, this song is a little bit about that. Um, and as I said um, before, I think that um, we often ask why, you know, why did God let this happen or why does God allow the righteous to suffer? And, um, you know, when we look at the scriptures, there are people that um, that ask that question. And one of those is Job. Mm -hmm. And he, of course, wondered why, when he was a righteous man, that God allowed him to, you know, lose everything. And um, for four chapters of the Bible, God answers Job, and he doesn't ever tell him why <laughs> <laughs> that happened, you know. And yeah. so instead he says um, to read it, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. And in another place, will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? Hmm. And also, who then is he who can stand before me? And who has first given to me that I should repay him? 
whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. And so Job's answer and our answer is um, not really a reason why, but just God himself. And um, really, any of the reasons that we come up with are quite inadequate. Mm -hmm. But God himself, that, that's enough of an answer. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, also in Romans, God says that he will work all things together for good to those that love him who are called according to his purpose. And it's not that those things were good <laughs> to begin with, but it's that he uses them to get for good. And then he takes, you know, what is difficult and hard and even what people might intend for evil in our lives, and he uses them for good. Mm. And so in this song, um, you know, one of the things is we might think, how is that possible? We might look at our circumstances and say, like, how could God use this very horrible thing in my life for good? But we really only have to look to the cross because that is really the darkest day in all of human history, that God's son would be killed upon a cross. But that's the day mm -hmm. that God won the biggest victory that yeah. this world has ever known. That's so good. Yeah. And so that's kind of what this song is about. <laughs> All right. So we're going to have you play that. darkest moments of our days we struggle as we bring you praise and wonder how you'll ever use this suffering for our good Lord throughout your word we see those who came to question thee and found He said, though you slay me, I will trust in you. So, Lord, it is in you I trust. You are merciful, yet you are just. You'll make beautiful these ashes that I see. Oh, Lord, my God, I trust in thee for on the darkest day of history when jesus died to set us free you won the greatest victory this world has ever known so lord i do not need to see And Lord, it will be 
this plan that only God could see. That's awesome. <laughs> Good job. Um, okay, so I also just, I don't know, I just want to say thank you for the way that you celebrate your, your husband's life and, like, continue to allow God to use his story, like, even after, you know, six years later, and he's still using his life and his story to touch people. So I know that it's your story today, but it's, I know, in marriage, so much of that ties together. And so I just thank you for, like, continuing to share his part of it too, even as, as his testimony and his upbringing and, and all of that. That's really sweet. So, yeah. um, but we do like to finish up with a favorite uh, scripture. So do you have something you would like to share about that? Sure. I guess um, my sort of lifelong favorite scripture is um, Romans 12 verses one and two. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Mm. So I think some of the things that um, I really appreciate about this verse and that kind of make it my life verse, um, you know, Worship has always been important to me, I think, um, at least in my adult life. And um, as a music leader, um, it's important, but it goes so much beyond just the songs that we sing and um, just this picture of our whole selves and our whole lives being offered as a sacrifice. Um, it kind of brings back, me back to you know how I felt about the desire to be involved in missions, you know, that our whole life would be in service to the Lord and would bring glory to Him. And I do um, very much believe that that's not connected with missions, mm. <laughs> that we can do that anywhere and everywhere that we go, regardless of what our calling is or what our job is or what our life circumstances are. And um, also just the idea that you know, in ourselves and in our sinful nature, we can't even think clearly. You know, we can't understand the things of God. And that as we read his word and as we pray and as we're taught by those that know his word, um, he transforms our mind that we might think more like he thinks. And when he does that, you know, that helps us to be able to seek God's will and to understand his will and what it is that he wants for us. And as um, my pastor in college would, would point out, like a lot of times we think of God's will in terms of the specific decisions that we make in our lives. Like, should I take this job? Should I, you know, go to the mission field? But so much of God's will is already told to us in his word, the, you know, ways that he wants to walk us to walk in our lives and the ways that he wants us to follow him and to love him and to serve him are, are already written there. And so... You know, and in particular, in that transformation of our minds, just that in gazing upon Christ and in seeing him, we become like him. And um, and that, that does involve a, you know, not conforming ourselves to what everyone else is around us, but conforming ourselves to Christ through his work in us. Yeah, great word. Faith Kim, it was so good to talk to you. Thanks for being on the show. 
This is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you. If you want to know more about who Jesus is, you can go to shockwaveministries.com and click on the gospel message. There you will find scripture references about who Jesus is and the plan of salvation, as well as different resources and references provided by our guests to help you through your walk with Christ. You can also click on the Testament tab where you will find a link to all of our podcasts and see our most recent podcast episodes that have been launched. Also on the Testament tab, you can drop us a line. Let us know what you think, if you have any comments or ideas for us, or point us to someone you think would make a great guest on our show. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Testament podcast. We'll make sure you know when each of our episodes launch and even give you a heads up on what episode is coming up with our Feature Friday posts. And if you see myself or Jess out and about, ask us for a business card. That's right. So we printed business cards with a QR code on them that leads your smartphone to our show. So thanks everyone for listening. Bye. Bye.